It's that time, the Betting Predators Podcast, where main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by the basketball guru, Jay Smoove. You guys can find him at Smoove underscore 702 on Twitter. And you can find his bolt on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. All right, Smoove, here we go. NBA Thursday. Got a bunch of games on tap for tonight. Big one between the Lakers and the Suns. We'll go ahead. We'll talk a little bit about that. We'll also go ahead. We'll talk about the Blazers and the Nuggets. You have a pick on that one. The Eastern Conference playoffs are now set. And we're also going to go ahead and talk a little bit about the Mavs and the Clippers. And we'll go ahead and we'll talk a little bit about the Jazz. First thing I want to get into here, smooth. Anthony Davis banged up. We don't know if he's necessarily going to play. Right now he's a game-time decision. Currently right now the Lakers minus two. So it's indicating that AD you know, is, is probably not going to play this game. Uh, more than likely this line probably would be Lakers you know, six, Lakers seven. But the fact this line's minus two. Uh, it's indicating right now that Anthony Davis probably won't be on the floor tonight. I'm curious what you think, Smooth. We saw the result the other day from, you know, the Suns and the Lakers. The Suns just basically just ran them right out of the gym. If AD doesn't play tonight, you know, what do the Lakers have to do in order to win? Whether he plays or doesn't play, I just think that they have to get, you know, some more production from guys like uh, Dennis Schroeder and uh, Andre Drummond, who, you know, Schroeder hasn't been an all-star, but he's been – you know, kind of at that line to where he could be one, you know, throughout his career when he had some some good seasons. And Andre Drummond, he's been an all-star a couple of times, and um, he just hasn't, you know, produced, you know, enough for them, especially in the paint. You know, he, he, he grabs a lot of rebounds every now and then, but they need him to be dominant in the paint. Um, for me, it's kind of hard to, to, to count on Anthony Davis to give that type of elite production that the Lakers are accustomed to seeing him seeing him give out uh, night in, night out, especially against his son's team when he's been healthy. But um, the injuries are just catching up with him. And even on that, him going to the basket on that drive, it didn't look to be that serious, but um, it, it obviously has been. But like you said before, um, you know, this line indicates him being out, you know, opening that three and moving down to two in their last Laker home game when it was, uh, for sure that he'd be in the lineup. I think it closed at six and a half. So uh, I just think that, you know, if you're counting on AD to to come out and and, and just give up a, a monster stat game if he does play, uh, I think that's asking a bit too much. You know, they got to get something out of these other guys that are healthy and, and in the lineup that, you know, that, you know, a lot of people were uh, gave the Lakers the title in the offseason when they made these, when they made these uh, signings, so these players got to come through, uh, like Schroeder and Andre Drummond and Montrez Harrell, who won the six men of the year, played 12 minutes last game, hasn't really been you know on the court that much this series. I guess he kind of fell out of the rotation when they added Andre Drummond, but um, Frank Vogel's got to do a better job of you know inserting him into the lineup and 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 playing him to his strengths because. You know, his team is banged up, you know, asking LeBron to carry this bunch uh, at 36 years old when he's dealing with an injury as well. You know, it's, I think it's asking a bit too much, but they're going to need a collective, eff- a collective effort if they're trying to extend their season. You know, I was looking at, at Kuzma in the last game. I thought that maybe he would show up and step in for Anto- Anthony Davis. 
And when when AD went out and he didn't play the second half of what was that? I think it was game three or game four. Um, Kuzma stepped up and played rather well, but it, it seemed like they're gonna like they brought him off the bench. Um, you know, in the last game, and it was like to me, it was like I think you got to bring Kuzma in to start. Uh, Schroeder had, I mean, he was just missing every shot that he took. I think the Lakers, if AD's not on the floor tonight, and I wouldn't be surprised if he dresses just to give them a little motivational boost, but I think they have to go ahead and switch the lineup. Whatever lineup they started out with last game, I don't believe they can go back to that. I think they have to go ahead and probably put Kuzma on the floor. I know Morris was out there. Now, he didn't seem like he really did a whole lot, but I don't know, Smooth. I mean, it was tough to gauge you know, what type of success that the Lakers were having in that game because it was over before it even started. I mean, by the end of the first quarter, I mean, they were down – by what, like double digits, and it was just like, I don't know what type of adjustments they can make. What do you think about, like, Kuzma coming in off the bench, maybe even him starting? you think that that's something that, you know, maybe the Lakers can do to go ahead and kind of let – I think what it was was for me when, when I was watching the game is LeBron wasn't able to be LeBron. Like, it, it, and that's just the way that I felt. I don't know what you saw, but my whole the whole time I'm watching the game, I'm like, well, you should probably put Kuzma in there um, just to go ahead and, and try to get some type of rhythm. you think maybe there's a chance he starts tonight? Could he kind of be the X factor to kind of maybe get the Lakers rolling tonight in the right direction? Um, I th- Just looking at Kuzma, I think he, he just kind of is who he is at this point, um, which is like a, a hit or miss type of player. Um, I would, if it was me, I would keep him in that, that bench role coming off the bench because that seems to be the most comfortable spot for him. I don't really like him necessarily in the starting lineup. Um, it just seems like when he starts, he feels like he has to come out and, and gun for shots instead of, you know, letting it come, letting the game come to him naturally and being effective that way. Um, I would like to see um, maybe a, a Wes Matthews starting with a, a KCP and moving LeBron to the four and, you know, just, just to give them some some floor spacing, you know, with some two wing shooters between KCP and Matthews, and you have, you know, two playmakers between Schroeder and LeBron, and then you have the lob threat at Andre Drummond. And then those guys between KCP and Wes Matthews, they're really tough and gritty on the defensive end as well. So I think, you know, if if if, if Anthony Davis doesn't play which it'd be hard for me to see him not playing with their season on the line. You know, that would be the lineup I would go with. But obviously if, if Davis does play, then I would, you know, obviously you move uh, Davis, you know, to the four um, and Drummond to the five. But yeah, I, I would, I wouldn't count too much, uh, bank too much, you know, with Kuzma's production. He's just too up and down. And, you know, with the season on the line, you got to go, with some trusted veterans that you, some guys that you can kind of, you know, know what you're going to get, you know, from them, you know, night in, night out, no matter what. So, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put too much stock in, in, in Kuzma and just leave him in his, his role coming off the bench and anything that he's able to give you would be a, you know, kind of like a bonus, a bonus or a cherry on top or something like that. Yeah. What do you make of, of Chris Paul's injury right now? I mean, he's looked pretty good. I mean, he's still on the injury report, but, you know, what did you see from Paul in the last game? You think if he plays tonight, which, you know, I'm sure that he will, you think he'll be able to be, you know, effective as, as he's always been? Because, you know, last game it was kind of a short sample size for all the players from the Suns. You know, Booker went out and had an amazing game. But, you know, what have you seen from Paul 
I would say, you know, probably over like the last two or three games from him. Yeah, he he looked to seem to be getting uh, healthier in in their game four, and then I looked like he, you know, banged his shoulder again with uh, that collision with uh, I think it was West Matthews. But you know, they didn't really need a lot out of him, you know, in game five because that game was pretty much in hand, you know, five or you know, ten minutes into the game. But you know, it just kind of sucks for Chris Paul. You know, anytime he's had a a, a legitimate shot and making a deep run, you know, in the playoffs and trying to get to the finals for the first time. He's always had some type of injury that's hindered his, you know, impact, his production. Um, uh, it's just, it's, it's tough to call it, you know, with him, you know, he's tough, he's gritty. He's going to be out there obviously to play, but um, it, one thing that I would look at to see how healthy he is with that shoulder is just you know his uh his number of turnovers, you know when he's healthy and, and playing well and not worried too much about the shoulder, you know he's had uh two or less turnovers and then you know when he you know was you know trying to play through that shoulder injury you know when he first had it, you know the ball he just kept losing the ball and he had you know north of four turnovers, so that would be something that I would look you know um, look at you know when he's on the floor also his uh. His shoot, his shooting range. You know, when he was really trying to play through that shoulder, uh, he really wasn't taking too many, um, you know, mid range and, and three point shots. Um, but when he was healthy and seemed to be, you know, playing well in that game five, he just looked like his normal self, taking his normal shots in his normal spot. So, you know, that would be something that I would look towards to kind of determine, you know, how, um, you know, how healthy he is, you know, while still playing through that shoulder injury. Well, that'll be an interesting game tonight. Why don't we go ahead and talk a little bit about the Blazers series? That That's just, to, to me, it's just gut-wrenching. I want to see the Blazers win. I've bet on them, I think, twice in the series. I lost both times. And it's just, it's it's not that it's confusing, but it's just you never know what you're going to get. If, if you told me that Dane was going to go out, score 55, and light up, you know, uh, 12 threes from – from downtown, I would have told you that there's no way that the Blazers would have lost that game. Sure enough, uh, they go ahead and lose. They're going to go back home tonight. And, you know, Portland plays good at home. They're a good home team. I think they'll end up squeezing this one out one way or another. I'm sure it'll be, you know, another one of those, you know, nail-biter type of games with with Portland as, as they usually are. But they're laying a good amount of points tonight. They're laying five points. I'm not sure, you know, which side I would take in this one, me personally. Um, I think maybe the over might be the way they go. I think both of these offenses are probably in a pretty good rhythm right now. I don't trust either defense to go ahead and stop each other. So I would lean slightly uh, to going ahead and playing the Blazers and the Nuggets over. How are you feeling about that game tonight? Yeah, this is a game I broke down a little bit earlier and gave out on a, in the pregame forum. But I like the Blazers, you know, laying the four and a half. Uh, I bet it already and, and, and took it to – um, I know a lot of people might think that it's, uh, you know, the loser of that last game, that double overtime game, you know, could be, you know, uh, lacking some, you know, motivation or being down or whatever the case may be. But, you know, with the Blazers, you know, going home, you know, I think they have one of the best home crowds. Um, and even though it's not, you know, at capacity, you know, those guys, you know, however many people are being there, you know, they're going to be loud. They're going to be, you know, rolling from the tip because, you know, this, they know the season's on the line. And, 
the Blazers, you know, they've been playing, you know, uh, better at home, especially their last home game. I think they won by 20. They have an average win margin of about seven and a half. They're two games at home. So I think it's some value in, in taking them. And, you know, it'd be hard-pressed to ask for another type of performance from uh, from Dame, you know, in game six that, we, that he gave in game five. But, you know, they haven't been able to stop him. He's averaging over you know, 35 points a game in this series during the regular season. I think he's only averaging about 23 or 25. So he's taking his game up to another level, especially with, you know, Jamal Murray being out of the lineup. But I think you got to look at some other guys to help him contribute. You know, we're talking about CJ McCollum. He had a, a bad shooting night game five, you know, 22 shots, only had 18 or 19 points. So I think he'll be a lot better, especially being at home. And, you know, another key player, Freedom that needs to step up, and I think he will tonight, is uh, is Nurkic. You know, in a, a double overtime game with a, a few players play, you know, uh, north of 45 minutes, you know, close to 50 minutes in that game. You know, he only played 24 minutes because he was in foul trouble, and he just wasn't as effective as they need him to be. But he's been, he's been a lot better at home in this series. He's averaging three points per game more at home and shooting 15%, you know, better, you know, from the field at home versus being on the road. So then you get a better performance from him. I think you get better performance from guys coming off the bench, like Carmelo Anthony, Anthony Simons, and some other guys. And, you know, Norman Powell, he had a really good game, the last home game, scoring, I think, 28 or 29 points. So I think the Blazers are going to be, you know, have a a much better collective effort. Um, You know, like you already mentioned, hard to trust any defense in this in this series, but I do think the Blazers will make enough defensive stops down the stretch, you know, to, to cover this number and, you know, win this game and, and force the game seven back in Denver. I agree with you a hundred percent. I think that the, you know, that the, the Blazers role players got to step up. Norm Powell did have a monster game the other day. And if he goes out and he plays the way that he did the other day, um, they'll be right in this game. But I think it does come down to somebody like Nurkic, you know, he fouled out, you know, three out of his last four games. I mean, that's just, that's crazy. And the fact that this one's going to be in Portland, you know, maybe he'll get lucky and get a couple, you know, a couple calls that just don't go against him tonight um, that maybe should, but he's got to step up. I think, I think collectively they could probably step up here at home and probably get the job done. I mean, I've been rooting for the Blazers. It seems like for like the last couple of years, just because I love Dame. Um, I think he's going to have a monster night tonight. I think he's going to go back out and say, you know, my 55 point night, you know, wasn't a fluke. I wouldn't be shocked if he goes for, you know, close to 40 or maybe even more again. Um, that should be an interesting game. Now, the East is set right now, smooth. We got the Bucks and the Nets. We got the Hawks and the 76ers. Why don't we go ahead and talk a little bit about the 76ers? You know, the news right now with Joel Embiid, um, it's not good. You know, right now it's saying he has a slight meniscus tear uh, in his knee. He was shooting around in the last game, the game that he sat. And it, I, I'm trying to read his lips. And it looked like he was saying, you know, I could play, I'm fine. And he was at the free throw line just, you know, taking some warm-up jumpers. And I could have swore that that's what it looked like. Now, you know, I'm not a professional lip reader, but um, it looked like that's what he was saying. Uh, as the announcers were just talking, they were showing the pictures there. But I'm not sure how you feel about Embiid right now. Let's just say he's not 100% or he doesn't even play, you know, let's just say game one against the Hawks. From what I've seen from the 76ers this year against Atlanta, um, if Embiid's playing, Atlanta doesn't have any shot to win this series. Uh, 76ers have blown them out, and the 76ers did lose one game to 
Atlanta, but that was with no Simmons, no Harris. And I think Seth Curry was another one um, that wasn't on the floor. And that game was still, you know, it was competitive. But let's just say Embiid, let's say Embiid plays. You know, how many games do you think this one goes? Do you think that Atlanta could possibly push this, you know, six, seven games if Embiid's on the floor? Because I personally don't. I think maybe it's a four or five games, um, and the 76ers just take care of business if Embiid's healthy. Yeah, um, the Hawks, they've been impressive. You know, their first time in the playoffs in a while. Um, I thought the Knicks, you know, had a good shot at winning that series, but um, the Hawks just show that they're just, you know, more talented and they're just as good on the defensive end as they were. But uh, the Sixers, they're a different class, you know, especially if Embiid is, you know, on the court and he's able to be effective by, you know, playing through this injury. Um, so I, I agree with you. If he's on the floor for Philly, um, then I have a five-game series. But if not, I think it would be a six- or seven-game series. But uh, I would still lean towards towards Philly. Um, you know, we've been talking a little bit about them, you know, throughout the year. And, you know, I've been high on them, uh, especially since they won the East and, you know, landed in the first seed. And I think they'll end up in the Eastern Conference Finals. But a lot depends on um, how Embiid can, can play through this uh, and with this injury, um, torn meniscus. I mean, they said he can play through it, but, you know, that sounds pretty bad, um, especially, you know, you know, look at his injury history. And you just don't know how much it'll affect his game, you know, in terms of what he can do and what he can't do. Um, you know, he does carry a lot of weight, but he does, uh, you know, move really well, you know, on the floor. You know, he kind of moves like a guard with his ability to, you know, do Euro steps and, and step backs and things like that and still be a dominant big in the paint, you know, when he needs to. Um, you know, with what we've seen him do, you know, against the Wizards, um, they just didn't have an answer for him when he was on the court like, you know, most teams all year. Haven't been able to have an answer for him, but I think one thing you have to look at also is, you know, Ben Simmons, you know, really wasn't as aggressive looking to score the ball throughout the regular season. Maybe he was just looking to, you know, continue to keep guys involved in the game and, you know, be, um, you know, uh, the head of the snake on the defensive end with him being, you know, one of the three candidates for defensive player of the year. But since the playoffs started, you know, um, against the Wizards in that first round, you know, he looked to be a lot more aggressive, you know, getting downhill, playing in the paint, attacking the basket and living at the rim. So I think that he's, that's going to be something that, you know, he's going to be continue, you know, doing, um, especially in this series. Um, teams don't really have a matchup for him as well with him being, you know, 6'10 and, and a point guard. Um, you put somebody that's too big on him, you know, he's just going to go around and you put somebody that's too small, you're just going to post him up. So I think he'll be somebody that'll step up and take a little bit more of a offensive scoring role. And I think Tobias Harris is uh, is playing really well right now too. So I think the Sixers just, you know, just have a, it's just a, a class up um, compared to what the Hawks face with the Knicks. And, and I would still look towards the Sixers in that matchup. I think I have two concerns with Philly. One is, you know, you mentioned Embiid. He's a big dude. He carries a lot of weight. What I mean, I don't know, man. Like, I, I have a feeling like his knee, if it's messed up and he and it is, you know, torn up a little bit, like they're saying there's a tear, that he's going to further injure himself just because of the way that he plays. He doesn't necessarily play, you know, gracefully. But he's a big dude. He, he absorbs a lot of contact. Uh, he's on the floor a lot. 
Um, that 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 worries me more than anything is that Embiid's going to end up getting hurt, um, you know, more, and then you know could jeopardize you know next year. And if he does end up getting hurt, then I don't think that the Hawks will end up losing that series. That's just my personal opinion because I just think that that's just it's a massive deflation for Philly. Maybe they can go ahead and and push it to six or seven games, but I just feel like, you know, as much of a deflation as it would be for Philly, you know, Atlanta would be, I don't want to say they they would be happy that Embiid's out, you know, because he's injured, but, you know, it's got to be a boost for them knowing that, you know, that they have a roadblock and a potential date, you know, in an Eastern Conference final. So, I don't know. It all it all comes down to Embiid's health for me. If if he doesn't look right tonight, if he doesn't look right, you know, for in the playoff game, then I don't know. I wonder if they just keep pushing him. He goes out there and, and throws caution to the wind, and you know, he ends up hurting himself even further. And you know, I don't want to see that because you know, I like Embiid. I like watching him play. Speaking of Eastern Conference Finals, one of the teams will be in there: Nets and Bucks. Um, this one's on Saturday. Smooth. Right now, the Nets are going to be minus four. You know, we talked about them a couple of times over you know, the last couple of weeks, but, you know, you, I, and, you know, everybody who watches basketball really didn't have a clear idea, you know, of who the Nets were and, and what they were going to be, you know, with all their players on the floor. And, you know, we got to see, the, I think, enough of them, you know, over five games, you know, playing Boston. Um, I have my own thought on this. You might think I'm a little nuts, but um, I just want to know what you think right now with the Nets from what you saw. Um, I didn't really take a whole lot out of the Celtics series just because of um, it was the Celtics and it wasn't they weren't at their you know full strength you know obviously missing Jalen Brown who was who on just about every night is their second second best player but any night he could be their first best player. Um, with his production, what he brings on the offensive end and what he can do on the defensive defensive end as well. Also, Kimball Walker being banged up, you know, throughout that series, missing the last two games, and him just being hurt throughout the year. Um, also, with, you know, Robert Williams, who was a, a really good lob threat and uh, athletic big, brought a defensive presence, him being injured and, and missing the last couple games or so. So, I didn't really take too much out of that series from the Nets. You know, I expected it to be a, a four or five game series. Uh, you know, Jason Tatum, he was able to get one game uh, with him going off for, I think it was 50. But, you know, this is something, uh, this matchup is something that I've been looking forward to uh, between the Nets and the Bucks. Um, I lean a little bit towards the Bucks. Um, their big three is uh, um, the, with the Nets. They get all the attention, you know, deservedly so, with having you know some of the best guys, you know, at their positions, you know, all on one team. But you know, you can't sleep on the Bucks' big three as well. You know, throughout this playoffs and their first round against the Heat, you know, their big three of Giannis, Middleton, and Holiday, when they were on the court, they had a plus thirty-four net rating, you know, compared to the next big three and their. In their matchup with the with the Celtics, you know they had a plus uh, a plus twenty three point one net rating when they were on the court. So, and I think that the Heat was a, a tougher opponent, you know, than the Celtics. There's a little bit more at full strength, and they they had a little bit of a, a psychological edge over the Bucks by you know beating them in the uh, 
in the playoffs last year and, you know, with them not beating them at all last year throughout the regular season. So, um, and then when you look at the, the collection of role players for, uh, for the Bucks, I think they have an edge there as well. Um, you know, they're, they're, the Bucks' big three, they only account for 55% of their team's total points while the, while the while the Nets, you know, they rely heavily on their on their big three, with them accounting for nearly seventy percent, you know, of their team's total points. So, you know, if one of those guys out of that big three, you know, has an off night, or if Drew Holiday is able to, you know, make it difficult throughout the series for somebody like Kyrie, you know, the the Nets could I think could be in, in some trouble. And when you look at the coaching edge, you know, I'll have to go with. You know, Mike Budenholzer over Steve Nash, you know, it's his first time, you know, uh, in a situation like this. Even somebody having Mike D'Antoni on the on the bench with him, um, I think that's uh, – Budenholzer is still a better coach. So uh, I think the Nets, they're alive, you know, to to pull off the upset in this series. So I would, I would look towards the Bucks. I'm sorry, the Bucks. I think they're alive to pull off the upset in this series. So – I would lean towards them. You know, I think Boston, if Boston's healthy with Brown and Kemba's out there doing his thing and, and, you know, Smart's playing his game and Tatum's playing his game, you know, they probably push that. They probably push that to six games and then we probably, you know, see, you know, how the Nets would react to, you know, a tougher series. But that was obviously kind of a walkthrough type of series for them. But one of the things I noticed and one of the things I th- I thought of as I watched the Nets is that they're going to be damn near impossible to guard. Yeah, you got KD out there and Kyrie, and you got Harden. But I think the person that nobody's talking about that's going to be – he's probably the guy that really opens up the floor and just – he's going to be the, the guy that just is like, you know, like how are we going to guard these guys? And that it's Joe Harris. Like that dude, he can shoot. Like he'll shoot your lights out. And if they play a team that wants to play up tempo, um, they're going to end up. They're just not going to be able to guard that team. It's just there's just too much out outside shooting, guys that can shoot threes. And I think that that's probably the issue that the Bucks probably will have is they're going to meet. They're going to need to be really good from the outside. And I, I just don't think between Holiday and Giannis um, that they're going to be able to keep up. You know, with you know, with what with you know, with what Middleton can do. Um, you know, with Defensensko, he's out now uh, for the season, so that's going to hurt them defensively. I just don't know how you stop the Nets. And you know, after watching you know the last series with Joe Harris out there doing his thing too, and it was like, dude, they could do whatever they want, you know. And it's you're gonna have to you're gonna have to be able to keep up with them. You're gonna have to slow them down, and you're gonna have to grind them down on defense. And it's just like, I don't know if there's a team out there like that. So I don't know, man. My gut feeling says a lot of people think that this series goes deep. I don't think it goes longer than five games. Um, that's just my gut feeling. If the Nets got it rolling in the last series, um, at least you know got their feet under them, this could be this could be a series that doesn't last long either. I'm probably going to be wrong on that, you know, more than likely. But if all four of those guys are just doing their thing. I just don't know how the Bucks could keep up with them, you know, with with their inability to sh- to keep up and shoot threes, you know, the way that the Nets probably can. Um, so I don't know. That's going to be an interesting one. I don't know if I would lay the four points with the Nets. I think the Bucks are going to come in there really motivated. 
Um, I do worry maybe a little bit of rust, you know, with you know with the with the Bucks being off for for so many days. But that's going to be an interesting one. Here's a serious move. I can't I can't even figure this damn one out between the Mavericks and the Clippers. I like the Mavs at home in both games. Uh, after they went into LA and they won both of those games, I'm like, there's no way that the Mavericks are going to lose game three. Then there's no way they're going to lose game four. Sure enough, they lose both of those games. I'm like, and then they go and they have that game last night. Nobody can win at home. I don't know what to make of this, but I'll tell you this. After watching Luca, and I really never watched a lot of him before. I know, you know, people made a big deal out of him. Oh, you know, Luca's great, this, that, and the other. And to be honest, I, I never really watched an entire game with Luca on the floor and what he can do. He reminds me of of LeBron. Like that's that's exactly who he reminds me of. He's just, you know, the the smaller, smaller version of LeBron James, and he's pretty much just doing anything and anything that he wants to right now. So I don't know what you make of make of this series right now. Do you think the Clippers, you know, go into Dallas and and even this series up or do you think the Mavericks finally get one at home? I don't, I don't know because I've been wrong in this series the whole the whole way, and I didn't know that Luca was as good as he is. I, I, yeah, I don't know where you have him, but for me, he's top five um, right now in the league for sure, uh, at least from what I've seen. So I'll let you go ahead and talk a little bit about Mavericks Clippers, how you feel about them, how you feel about Luca, um, and and you know what he's doing, and maybe what what the hell's the issue with you know, with these teams not being able to win at home. Yeah, um, weird series. Uh, like you mentioned, uh, nobody's won a home game yet. Um, I had the Clippers last night. I thought they was going to take control of the series uh, after going down to Dallas and winning winning two straight and getting back in the series. But obviously they didn't come through. Um, but, yeah, just talking a little bit about Luka, uh, he's been somebody that I've watched. You know, ever, you know, going back to his uh, Euro League, you know, I had a good friend of mine who uh, told me about him, you know, pretty early. And I started watching him and, you know, he was um, had the same opinion on him that he was going to be really good. And, you know, he hasn't disappointed since he's been in the league. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of with you as far as um, he, him reminding me of a LeBron. Um, but I would have to kind of, kind of, tame that a little bit because yes, offensively, um, he reminds me a lot of LeBron, you know, with what he's able to do with the ball and the level that he produces, but just on the, de- on the defensive end, um, I think people forget, you know, how good LeBron was or uh, on that defensive, end, especially uh, early in his career, as he's gotten older, you know, he has to pick and choose, you know, when he wants to be, you know, uh, go all out on the defensive end, but in his early days, you know, he was, he was a monster on a menace on, on both ends of the floor, uh, showcasing his athleticism with all those, you know, chase down blocks and, and be, and really being able to guard, you know, uh, one through four position, kind of like you see a Ben Simmons do right now. But, you know, since the game has kind of changed a little bit, Ben Simmons is able to guard like a one through five, you know, literally, but, you know, LeBron was doing that as well. So that's kind of where the separation, um, where the comparison stops with me because of, you know, LeBron being super impactful, you know, especially throughout his uh, early, you know, earlier in his career. But um, this series is just, you know, pretty weird for me to try to get a handle on it. You know, it just seems like the road team has the edge. Um, 
in every game, you know, with them winning, you know, the road team winning every game. So, you know, Clippers facing elimination again back in Dallas. It wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if they were able to go down there and win another game and force a game seven on their home floor and come back and lose game seven at home. You know, uh, Luca has been, I don't know how, how injured he was, you know, dealing with the nerve or neck injury, whatever the case may be, but um, looked like he healed up pretty quick and he just, you know, did whatever he wanted against the Clippers last game. I think the stat line was something like 42 points and 14 assists, eight rebounds, something like that. But it was, uh, yeah, he's, he's a lot of fun to watch, you know, especially when he's out there healthy. Um, still not getting a lot from Porzingis. Um, definitely had a, a lot better year last year than he did this year. Uh, be interesting to see what his future would be like, you know, uh, looking like moving forward with that team. But, you know, he also has some other, you know, role players step up like Tim Hardaway Jr., uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, uh, Jalen Bronson. They also had, you know, some really good games. So, um, you know, this this uh, this series is interesting and weird at the same time. Yeah, you do make a really good point about the LeBron defense. Uh, and what I was pretty much getting at was just offensively. Um, you know, I think Luka could shoot, you know, far better from outside, but Defensively, I don't think there's really much of a comparison between the both of them. Uh, Luca would have to make some drastic improvements on that you know, on the defensive end of the floor, obviously. You know, to to be put like you know in that LeBron category where you know he's you know kind of mimics who he is. But off, offensively, I think it, it's you know it's pretty close. Um, I don't know what to make of that damn series. I think I think one of the big issues you know with with the Clippers losing the game last night at home. I think it was just a case of Kawhi just started out cold and they just got behind and, and you gave, you know, the Mavericks enough, you know, you just gave them enough motivation, enough, you know, determination to go out there and just keep doing what they're doing. And I think they were feeding off Luca the fact that it was like, all right, cool. You know, our dude is, our dude's healthy and he's doing his thing right now. Um, and I just felt like the Clippers were just a little bit too far behind uh, because of that slow start from Kawhi. And that's, you know, pretty much, you know, how the Mavericks ended up pulling that one out. But that's going to be an interesting one for sure. What do you make of the Jazz, man? My personal opinion on this is that if the Lakers don't win that series against Portland, that we're going to end up seeing the Nets and the Jazz in the finals. I, they're just rolling right now. Mitchell's healthy. That's scary. You got Gobert out there, Bogdanovich, Ingles, O'Neal. You know, Clarkson off the bench. Like, that's just a scary team. They've been scary all year long. And that was a team that in the beginning of the year, you know, when they were rolling, you know, when they were on that really big winning streak, I think a lot of people were like, you know what, this team's this team's nasty. And we, we started to forget about them, you know, for the first couple games of this series and even heading into the playoffs, you know, because Mitchell was out for an extended period of time with his ankle injury. And then you have Memphis go and they sneak out the first game there. And it was like, oh, you know, I don't know. But after watching Utah and after watching Mitchell, you know, the last couple of games, me personally, if 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 the Lakers and AD, you know, don't get don't get their act together and and end up getting through the Suns, I don't see anybody probably taking out the Jazz. I just think they're too damn good and too healthy right now, and maybe they are ready to start playing their their you know second best basketball of the season, which you know will be pretty damn good. So. I don't know what you make of the Jazz right now, but how are you feeling about them? 
Yeah, the Jazz, um, they seem to be the the most complete team from from top to bottom, uh, from from coaching to star players, role players, style of play. Um, everything seems to be clicking at the right time. Uh, it was good to see, you know, Donovan Mitchell come back after that game one um, and, you know, play the type of basketball that we, you know, uh, seeing him play all year uh, before the injury. And I think that was, you know, the, you know, the piece that they needed to be, you know, play as complete basketball as they can and, you know, really have really have a legitimate shot to to come out of the West and challenge whoever comes out of the East. So, um, you know, they, you know, with them being the number one seed, I think they have the easier path to, you know, to get to the finals. You know, they wouldn't have to see the Lakers or whoever comes out of that bottom half of the bracket, you know, to the conference finals. And, you know, it's, it's just, it seems like it would be pretty hard to beat that team four times out of seven. You know, they, like I said, they have everything going. They can shoot the three. They can get to the basket. They have veterans. Um, they also have a, a great home court advantage with that altitude and that crowd. Uh, I think they have, I think they're one of the teams that allow, you know, one of the, one of the most, uh, you know, group of fans, you know, in their arenas. So they also have that going for them as well. You know, this is a, the best jazz team, you know, they've had in a while. So if they don't, if they're not able to get it done this year, you know, while the Lakers are dealing with some injuries, you know, Clippers could get bounced out and, you know, everybody else, you know, seems to be, you either, you know, have, you know, some really big holes in their roster or, or just not good enough on the defensive end. Um, if the Jazz aren't able to get it done this year, then I don't think they will ever get it done. Um, so, so yeah, they they um, definitely have a great shot of coming out of the West and challenging whoever comes out the East. Yeah, it should be interesting to see how they, uh, how they end up, you know, looking in their next round because I think that's going to give us a, you know, clear sign of how good this team actually is, you know, in a series. Um, as you mentioned, it's not going to be easy knocking those guys out, you know, four games. I, I, I honestly just don't think – I don't think anybody could do it probably except LeBron um, in AD. But uh, that will wrap up the podcast, guys. So, Smooth, he's going to go ahead. He's going to take the Blazers tonight. Uh, I personally don't have any picks this evening uh, in basketball. Um, I'll be rooting for the Blazers. I think Dame probably goes out and has a monster game. Uh, I'm not sure what his uh, his point total was. Did you happen to look at any props today, Smooth? Did you see what um, what Lillard's point total was for tonight? Yeah, his point total is, is pretty crazy. It was set, set at 33 and a half, but I gave out a different prop. Um, you guys can catch that in our uh, betting predators premium content You know, involving Dame. I think it's a lot better value on the prop that I've given out. Uh, he's going over this prop, you know, three out of the five games they played in the in the playoffs. So um, if you haven't, um, you know, uh, subscribed to that, I would and uh, and check that out. All right. Well, good stuff. Smooth, uh, as you guys might know, uh, is on the is on the West Coast. So he woke up early today to go ahead and get some cool content out for you guys. Uh, as always, you guys know where to find us on Twitter, Sleepy Jones Score Pregame. Uh, at smooth underscore 702. And you can find Smooth and I both on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. With that said, I'd like to wish you guys.